Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Chasing Breadcrumbs. I have, oh, I'm like rubbing my hands together with glee. I have the one and only Tanya Montella here with me today. Tanya is a, you know what, actually I was going to riff. I'm just going to read her bio because then I'll get it better than me riffing. That's probably, yeah, that's the way we'll do it. Okay. So this is Tanya. Through her career coaching programs, Tanya turns ambitious women into confident career changers and lifelong fulfilled professionals. Her company is Tanya Empowers, and her mission is to enable women to maximize their potential and truly thrive, landing the jobs that they desire and receiving the pay that they deserve. Oh, they're going to unpack that one a lot. Oh, damn it. Especially because, you know, I started the world as a teeny tiny intern in the world of HR. And learn all about the joy of pay discrepancies. So <laughs> I have lots to ask you about all of that. But Tanya, hi. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm like, like before we started recording, I shared with Tanya that um, we're recording this on the first day. Both my kids are back to school after summer break. This is like, this is better <laughs> than class A drugs. I'm just like, woo, let's go, Tanya. Freedom. Oh, yes. Yeah. So like, I'll try to like. I'll try to manage that on my end. Okay. Tanya, first important question I always love to hear from people are about their breadcrumbs. So those little moments, those sliding door moments in your story where you followed just something you were curious about or a whisper or a nudge, and it kind of opened up some whole other part of your career or, or life or whatever breadcrumbs you choose to share. So tell us a little bit about your story and those, those little breadcrumbs you want to tell us about. Yeah, absolutely. So my career mostly began with um, advertising, right? Digital advertising. I was doing it for a number of different companies. And one thing that was like a breadcrumb for me was when I started doing it for a company, but it was, it was for, it was for clients who were using the software to do their own advertising. So mm -hmm. my job as a customer success manager was to teach them how to use the software, how to think about their digital advertising campaigns and how to use it for the, their benefit of their business, right? Um, how to then look at reports and you know make changes and make everything better. And what I liked the most about that I recognized was teaching them, like training them essentially. Mm. So I was like, okay, I realize I don't like doing the advertising because that's what I was doing beforehand. I was the one doing the numbers, right. and doing all the targeting and all that. Um, but I liked training them and showing them how to do it. And I liked it most when they needed me less, right? Because they started to get it. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Less the handhold, more the uh, don't fish for them, teach them how to fish kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Got it. When they started to fly <laughs> and call yeah. me less and like, I knew not because it sounds the way that it sounds like, oh, I don't want to hear from them, but like, <laughs> I truly knew that they were getting it right. And they were learning right. what I was teaching them. So that was, and was that, sorry, I have a question about this breadcrumb or the, maybe the feeling probably about more about the feeling. Um, was that positive feeling that like, Ooh, you know what I mean? Was it because you felt I'm doing my job and I'm doing it well? Was it more, was it specific to teaching? I guess I'm just curious. Were at the time, of course, now you have hindsight, but at the time, were you able to really zone in on what did I just like about what happened? Ooh, that is a good question because I know I can answer that now, but 
in the moment, I don't know if I knew why. I just knew that okay. I did. So You're I was like, it. that was good. I like yeah. that. Let's do that again. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. But in retrospect, if it's worth sharing, um, it's because that was my depiction of success. Like there was nothing really tangible that I could say like, oh, this is how I know that I'm, you know, training these clients effectively beyond, well, they're doing it on their own and they're calling me less and they're actually doing their campaigns well. <laughs> right. Mm, so yeah. that to me was like my, my success indicator. Cool. Okay. Got it. Sorry. I interrupted no. onwards with the next breadcrumb. <laughs> Please, by all means. Cause I could just ramble on and on. Um, <laughs> so that was one thing I, I noticed like, okay, I don't want to be the one actually running the digital campaigns for, for other businesses. I want to teach them how to do it themselves. So I started to lean into that by switching over to being, um, going into the learning and development field. So I was running trainings for employees and customers. Well, as you can imagine, (laughs) trying to train hundreds of employees on the particular platform for the company that I worked for and the customers that were using it was a bit much. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. I'm getting sweaty just hearing that. (laughs) You know, their needs are like the audience is totally different and what they need to know is very different. So I was like, okay, I like training them on how to do this um, and using my expertise to kind of share that and like pass that knowledge on. But my audience needs to be more defined. It can't be this broad. There's no way I can ever learn my audience well enough to be able to effectively teach them. Right. Mm. And this is, by the way, this is while you were an, an employee, you were not an entrepreneur, like a freelancer at this point. Nope. The fact that, okay. So by the way, this just screams, you understand advertising because the fact that you as an employed person (laughs) were even thinking about what is my audience? What do they need? What defines them? Like, yeah, yeah. Very yes. Screams advertising in that you did in fact know what you were doing in your field, but anyways, onwards. Yeah, that's funny. I never made that connection though. You're absolutely right. Um, Cause I knew my message needed to land. And so, yeah, that's yeah. it. It's advertising um, or marketing really, if you want to level it up further, but sure. yeah. So I liked the fact that I was training and that was like my sole purpose. It wasn't like, oh, I also need to look for opportunities to expand this account. Cause that's part of being a customer success manager. At right. this point, I'm just training and doing what I love but it's for far too many people. And I had to like really toggle what information each particular audience needed. And it was at a large scale. It was, like I said, I don't know what it was like 500 employees. And then like probably the equivalent number of, Mm. (laughs) of clients. Um, so to build trainings for those people, right. It just wasn't scalable. So I narrowed it down a little bit further and I said, well, let me go into sales enablement. At least now I know my audience is just salespeople. Okay. That seems a little more manageable. So I got into sales enablement from there. And so everything that I was doing was to training sales, to train salespeople. Now (laughs) I quickly learned how many nuances there were within a sales organization, right? There's Mm. the people who are doing like the cold calling and the prospecting. There's the people who are actually like, growing the accounts and, and selling them more things and upselling and cross-selling. And then there's the people that just simply manage the, the relationship, the, the customer success managers and such. So I was like, okay, I thought I was doing, you know, (laughs) I thought I was narrowing down my audience, but yet here we have so many different (laughs) wide open audience yet again, (laughs) yet again, here we are, here we are. So, uh, that honestly, after, I mean, the, 
the thing that I did after that was my entrepreneurial journey. Um, Mm. I said, how can I get more niche of an audience than by working one-on-one with women, Mm. (laughs) very specific women who are looking to either change jobs. Like, you know, they're just in market for a job. They're looking for a different company or they're looking for a completely different role that they've ever had Mm -hmm. or women who are employed and they're just looking to level up their career through career development um, coaching. Mm -hmm. So I do both. Now there's something you did in that last example that I think was really brilliant. And I want to ask you more about it. And then I'll move on to grilling you about career coaching and oh, so many questions. Okay. Here's what I have seen happen a lot because I have a corporate background, uh, a corporate HR background. So I have seen a lot of this stuff, right? What I see a lot of, and please the grain of salt, this, this is just my anecdotal memory, but I, especially in the women that I've worked with is instead of saying there's something wrong with the role, they say there's something wrong with me. So -hmm. instead of this role is trying to speak to too many people, this role isn't segmented, right? This role is incorrectly set up in terms of expectations. They go, I can't do it. There's something wrong with me that I'm not able to speak to these two huge audiences in the correct way and blah, blah, blah. And you, it doesn't sound like you did that. Maybe you did a little bit. I don't know, but I'm just so curious. How did you, how were you able to have the perspective of this isn't about me? This is about the role. The role is incorrect in terms of how it is set up and the expectations. It's not, I am failing. It's the, not that you were failing anyways, but you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah me, it's the role. How did you know to do that? That's a good question because I think it was a little bit of both. Honestly, I started to recognize that I was really being stretched thin. So there's the part that was me, but not, you know, it wasn't like, because I wasn't good at what I did. I just noticed like, listen, I'm really like treading water. Like I'm just trying to stay afloat. (laughs) Mm. Um, And by noticing that I realized it's because I'm trying to be I'm trying to build out my trainings to be everything for everyone. And I just can't because it's too many different people I'm trying to speak to. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think, so I love what you did is really, you were just asked the question, like what's actually going on here. And I think we don't do, we don't stop and do that enough, especially when we're in a corporate world where like everything is do more with less, do it yesterday, blah, blah, blah. But I think listener take, you know, a note from Tanya here and just get curious. Is it you? And it might be, it may well be that you don't have a skill or whatever, or is it the role or the system or the company? Is it a combination, which of course, everything's a combination of things, blah, blah, blah. But actually ask yourself instead of just, oh, well, I stink. Mm -hmm. Darn. I'm not good at this. Like, "Mm, is that true? (laughs) Are we sure that's what's going on? I love that. That's so brilliant. Okay. So you, after this shifted into your entrepreneurship, um, and your career coaching, the Tanya empowers company, um, did you start right? Like was the starting place for you? I want a niche to a specific group of people. What's more niche than women in court, you know, whatever. Or did you go, I want to be self-employed. I'll (laughs) figure it out next. Like what, what's, what was the chicken? What was the egg? Yeah, it was the former. Um, and, and the reason I ended up going into career coaching is because I started noticing a trend of over the years. So this was, you know, going back if we're, if we're talking about overlap in terms of mm. my crumbs, really, um, over the years leading up to this point, um, people had always sent 
people my way for career advice. Um, right. It wasn't always women as well. So it was either like, hey, my dad, you know, <laughs> needs help with his brushing off his resume or, you know, my friend or, you know, some this one woman's looking to get into this field that you've been into before and she doesn't know how, so right. she wants to talk to you. And what I found was after having those conversations with people, like they would leave feeling like I just blew their minds and completely changed their world. And here I am thinking like, I didn't think I really that amazing. Yeah. But because they got so much out of it, I as well got so much out of it. I got Mm. far more fulfillment out of that than I ever had (laughs) in my corporate jobs. Right. Right. And The other thing I'd add on to there too, is we sometimes forget, and it sounds like you may have, of how good you were at the thing because you were already just good at the thing. And that was the world you were in. Mm. I mean, it's like when someone changes the oil in my car and they do it in 30 minutes, I'm like, wow, that was (laughs) fucking amazing. And it was, they're just like, what? That was like that. Literally I did it with my eyes closed, but because it's not my world right to me it was incredible and that sounds like that was you too like you're so impactful with career advice and having perspective on career moves and that's not the world they're in so they're just like holy <laughs> but that was something you'd been doing anyways you were just like oh why don't i get paid to do this thing that i'm already doing all the time exactly you got it yeah and why why women ooh so <laughs> i myself like I, I reflected on how alone I felt throughout my career, like all those changes I, I, or pivots as some people like to call it that I mentioned that I, I did throughout my time. I wasn't sure the entire time. I was never sure of myself. I was like, mm, yeah, I guess this seems right. And I don't know if anybody's going to hire me for this. I haven't done it before. And I hope my resume, you know, looks good and is appealing and all these things. When in fact it was clearly because I got the next job and I was successful, you know, climbing the, <laughs> the proverbial ladder and doing it over and over and over again. And I said, I don't want any other woman to feel as alone and confused and, lacking confidence in her career moves as I did myself. And I just thought I could speak to women more, more specifically, because I know like what types of things, like how you said, um, what types of things we tend to think of and like hold Mm -hmm. ourselves back as a result for like all of our limiting beliefs and like all these things I've experienced in myself. So like who better to speak to (laughs) than, than me that having gone through it myself multiple times. Okay. And speaking of those limiting beliefs, one of the things that I was so curious about your take on, and I know this is a little bit dated research now, but that old adage that we've heard, it's become very pop culture reference. There's job description up, and this is not even our non-binary folks. So we're just talking cisgender men and women here. Like we're not even talking about a whole other group of people, but there's a job description or job posting dude reads it. It's like, yeah, I got about 40% of that. I'll apply. A woman's like, "Mm, I'm missing 5%. I guess I shouldn't apply. Right. I think that has changed for sure as that's become more well-known, but is that something you see and how, like, what do you say to the women you work with when they're like, yeah, but I don't have that exact degree or like, we don't technically have seven years in that role or like, how do you help women around that piece of it? I guess. Yeah. Good question. So, uh, Upon starting my business, I, I was really narrowly focused on women who were trying to pivot their career and getting getting right. into something that they hadn't done. So the way that I saw that show up was like them not really recognizing their transferable skills, right? So like something right. would say something a certain way on paper, quote unquote, um, and they would say, well, I haven't done that particular thing. And I'm like, well, have you 
done, you know, have you worked with, have you worked, done work where you're trying to, you know, make sure that your client, whoever that is, is successful? And they're like, mm. well, yeah, but my client was like parents because I was a teacher. I'm like, well, either right. way, you had to understand their needs. You had to accommodate their needs. You had to make sure that they would stay, keep their children within the program. So if you are the person that's looking to be a customer success manager, you've done the same things. It's just, you're not thinking about your client in the same kind of way, but you, you really right. have done the same thing. I just, just didn't see it. I just really got that. So it's almost like they were focused on the task versus the skill. So like, well, I did parent teacher interviews. Yeah, you did. But the skill was communication, setting expectations, shit, like whatever, whatever. And those have nothing to do with being a teacher. They have to do with being a person and having those skills. I get that. Okay. That's so, so you were able to go like, hang on, let's look at the skill you have. Don't worry about what the to-do list item said. What was the skill you used? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And just thinking about language, like, again, when we talk about like, if it's for a customer success manager, I'm just using that as an example. That's a good example. Run with it. You know, (laughs) the the language you're always going to see is like clients, accounts, things like that. Like, well, yeah, same thing. It's just, you know, your clients, they weren't businesses. They were people, they were moms, they were dads, (laughs) they were Mm -hmm. kids. Still a client. We just yeah. didn't necessarily call them that in that setting. Yes. Exactly. Hello, client. Welcome in. They're like, what? No, I'm here for the parent teacher <laughs> interview. What do you mean? So it's good. Weird. Yeah. And then what about, um, oh, the dreaded imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? Of like, well, they're going to find out I'm a fraud. They're going to find out I'm not really like how, what are your kind of little gems of wisdom you can share with helping women get over that, especially to your point, women who are looking at either career change or possibly, you know, promotion or some kind of career development. So they're looking at doing something even bigger and they've already got the imposter syndrome gremlin being like, yeah, but you're not really that good. Like, how do you, what are your gems? Give us, lay them on us. Yeah. Well, I would say a couple of things. One is if you feel it within yourself that you want that next thing, or you want more for yourself, then to me, that's an indicator that you're ready for it. Like mm. you have those feelings if you were an imposter and you weren't, you know, a so kick-ass good. individual, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't even be thinking that big. You would be thinking like, let me just stay in my little box. Let me stay over here and not do anything more than this. So that I think is one thing to recognize. Like if you're thinking bigger, then you're ready for bigger. Mm. Um, the other thing I would say, oh gosh, (laughs) um, is like just taking a chance on yourself, I think is a big thing to remember. And I think it, of course it's easier. It's all easier said than done, but the moment you take a leap of faith and, and I always tell people like, start small, like, you know, if you're in the corporate setting, let's just keep that as our example. Um, if you're in the corporate world and you're trying to get like a promotion and you're like, I'm just nervous. I've got this imposter syndrome. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Start by like some, you must have some idea of how something can be improved a process, you know, structure, whatever it is. Mm start evangelizing that idea with like your peers and say like, Hey, I've been thinking about X, Y, Z. Like, what do you think? And you're going to let nine times out of 10, my guess is you're going to start hearing people affirming that and being like, yeah, that's actually a good idea. And as you start like hearing people kind of confirm your thoughts and, you know, let you know that the way that you're thinking is smart, or it's a good idea that you're proposing, you start to take it further. You're like, oh, well, then I'm going to start telling the executives. Mm-hmm. If you tell the executives, they buy it. Like you just start showing yourself that you're capable by starting small. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's so good. Oh, so good. And okay. Here's the one problem with not with problem with starting small, but the, like, I can picture someone asking the question, what if the thing they want is a new job? Like you can't dip a toe into a new job. You either get a new job or you don't. So for those people who are just a little bit for me, especially those who are like, I've been here for 10 years. Like, Oh, maybe I just need to shut up and put up. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts with the people who's really the thing they're wanting is actually a big change and a small toe dip in isn't necessarily an option with a huge career change. What are your gems on that one? Yeah. I think you have to think about what your world would be if you did nothing different, if you mm. just stayed, <laughs> mm-hmm. stayed where you are, whether that be the company you're working for or stayed in the role that you're in and didn't go for something different or a promotion. Like if you don't change anything, what's your reality? And if you find that you don't like that reality, then you gotta, you gotta jump in <laughs> to your point. Yeah. You can't dip the toe, but it's better than being where you're at today. If you have that realization, you know, and have you ever, I'm so curious, I'm guessing the answer is no, if they've got to the point of hiring you, but I, I'm still curious about this. Have you ever worked with a client and in the end gone, no, no, I, you need to stay where you are. Like that is the correct thing for you. Has that ever happened? That has not happened yet. Um, like that you're like, I'm open to it happening, but yeah, no. <laughs> never, never say never. That has not happened yet. What, ha- what I will tell you has happened because it took me by surprise is I had a call with a woman and she was interested in, in my coaching. And I asked her all these questions to understand like what she's doing now and like where she's at. And I was left feeling like, I don't have any advice to give you. I, I can't think of a thing you could change. I honestly think you're doing everything right. (laughs) Mm. I think you sound like a really strong candidate. Um, your job search strategy, like it's there, you know what I mean? Like there, I'm literally at a loss for advice to give you or a direction that I think you should take. I think for you, it's just a matter of time, right? Like, right. To just keep, keep at it, keep yeah. doing all the things you're already doing. And yeah. yeah, these days I'm finding that, you know, it's taking folks three to six months to, to get a job. So for her, she had only been looking for about a month. And I was like, I know that kind of isn't what you want to hear. Like, well, it could take a couple more months, but that's the reality. So I think for you, it's just a matter of time. And the funny thing about that is she called me, I want to say like a month after she was like, Hey, can, you know, can we catch up? And I thought, Oh gosh, maybe she's struggling and she's, Mm. (laughs) but she was like, you inspired me to like move forward with my LLC and do like freelancing work. And I'm just going big. And I was like, Man, that's so good. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I was just like, you don't, you don't need me. Like, I know you called me for my career coaching, but like, you don't need me. And I think that just kind of sparked something in her where she was like, yeah, and I don't need these jobs I'm looking for. <laughs> what else don't I need? I don't need an employer. <laughs> so good. Oh man. It's so good. Oh, love it. Okay. Okay. I have one more question about. Yeah. I have one more question about knowing whether it is indeed the right time to make a change, because let's be honest, I have had times when I was employed. And by the way, the job I left, I didn't leave because I was miserable. Like my last employed role, I freaking loved it. Like dream job, working at this amazing tech company, amazing leaders. I just was moving to another country and having a baby. So I was like, (laughs) this doesn't make sense anymore because I don't live in this country. So I 
you know, I didn't make that change because I was like, this sucks. I hate it onwards. It was for me, life stuff, right? Mm -hmm. That being said, I was in the dream job and I had, I remember having weeks where there was tough projects and tough clients and tough this and tough. And I was just like, fuck them. I'm getting (laughs) out of here. I'm getting out of here. And actually that was not the correct move. So Mm. how do you help people see are you just having a tough week and you need to get your ass to a yoga class and get to a therapist and tell your boss you're struggling and ask for more resources? How do you differentiate, differentiate between that a hard week and you're not in the right job? Like, how yeah. do you help people untease that? Yeah, that's a great question. And the good thing I would say in terms of the reason why I haven't had to do that yet again, <laughs> who knows what's open to what's happening, but, <laughs> um, I haven't had to do that because typically people reach out to me when they've been experiencing that pain, whatever pain looks like for them in terms of just like the challenges that they have with where they're at in their career, um, for long enough to the point to seek external help. Right. Right. Like, right. So- it's not, I've had one bad week. It's like, I've had 17 bad weeks. Like, this is not okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. But what I do do is I do ask them, like, I'm big on the why, right? Like, why do you want to change careers completely? Or Mm. why, you know, why is, why are you interested in this particular line of work? Um, I do, I do ask them the right questions to make sure that they're making the right right change. Right. Because I think that's important. Like experiencing, you know, um, pain, I'll just call it, uh, within your career for an extended period of time to the point where you seek external help is one thing, but I still want to be that person to make sure like I'm not here trying to, you know, help someone get to the next move and have them call me, you know, a month later and say, I'm in hell again. And (laughs) (laughs) I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I think it's just asking the right questions. You know, what Mm. have you tried is another question because, there's a concept of like, if you don't, so let's go back to my example where I knew that my audience was too big and I was stretched too thin. I certainly could have advocated for like a team to, you know, be promoted sure. to manager, to sure. hire a team, stand up a team from the ground up, but the company and all that was going on at the time, it wasn't worth that fight. I said, let me just do this elsewhere. Right. <laughs> Start yeah, a yeah, new, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So you got to kind of think of all the things. So it's just asking the right questions to see like, what have you tried? What have you considered? Where are you at really in general is what I try and get to the bottom of. Hmm. Okay. Now I want to go back. I'm I'm back again. Now (laughs) the example you gave of that person who said like, Oh, I've been searching for a month. It's not working out yet. And you were like, Oh, there Sally, like we're talking three to six months kind of thing. So there's two things I heard in there for those who are career changing or looking for a bigger role elsewhere, you know, whatever that looks like is patience, you know, hooray, patience is a virtue well done, but also resilience because there is nothing that shreds your ego and your soul and your confidence than applying for a job that, you know, you're qualified for and you never hear back, or you get a no, you actually hear back and it's a no, or you get an interview and it's a no. And it's just you start, you, you naturally, like you have to start second guessing yourself. Like you just do that's natural consequence of, wow, I've gotten 82 rejections. Like maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts around that? Really that resilience piece of like, this is a marathon, not a sprint. 
Mm -hmm. It's like, you're going to get rejections. It's part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. How do you help people keep their head above it all? Well, it's an interesting question, particularly in the time we're in, because, you know, with all the layoffs, like there's so many Mm. more people looking for jobs. So the, the, you know, um, the competition is more fierce. So like when you're getting rejections, you got to realize like, I mean, and on LinkedIn, you can see this outright, how many people have applied, like there's been 200 applicants to like (laughs) to be the one, you know what I mean? You got to kind of take that uh, with a grain of salt. So I think I try and remind them of the volume of, you know, candidates that they, they may be up against. And again, LinkedIn is a great example of where you can get that sort of insight. Right. Um, time looking for, for roles. Also how many you're applying to, like, you know, if it's like, oh, it's onesie twosie a week, like, well, you know, it's an, it also is a numbers game. <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> it, yep. It can be a numbers game against you because there's more competition or it can be a numbers game for you where, you know, you've got to make sure now I will also say when I talk about you know, sending a healthy amount of applications out a week. I don't mean throwing spaghetti at the wall. Cause I've had that conversation before. Which sure. like, don't just get desperate and start just <laughs> oh, sending like, it to any and everything. Sure. I can be a ranch and in Montana, it's like, you're an accountant <laughs> in New York. No, you cannot just, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Cause that happens. Like folks get desperate and yeah. I mean, it, it's a tough place to be in. Cause I totally get, I mean, you need money. Of course. Of course. Right? Of course. Yeah. So it's a fine balance for sure. Mm. And, you know, like the example I always give to people to like my, my experience with that on the other side, like when I worked in HR in London, England, which is, and I worked there great employment at the time. Economy was awesome. This was pre-Brexit. Hooray. Mm. I remember posting jobs at an insurance company I worked at and getting like 300 applicants. I didn't look past the first 50 resumes, not because I'm a bad HR person, not because I was being rude, but because the first 50 people were literally all qualified for the role. Like I just, I just didn't like, I, I didn't have 70 hours to read through them all. Yeah. And so that was literally nothing personal. Like the most amazing person ever could have been applicant 51. I just didn't see their resume. Yeah. So that's part of the whole, you have to work your ass off not to take it personally. Cause I guarantee you it's nothing to do with you. Like it's yeah. just not. Um, and that's easy for me to say, cause I'm not looking at my mortgage bill going shit. How am I going to pay it? I, I get it. Trust me. I've been on that side too, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's just not, it's, it's never about you. I wish it was, I would make it easier to control. (laughs) I know. I know you make a great point though. And that that's actually something I'm going to add to the little, the little pot of ways to keep their head above water, which is like, (laughs) you know, just volume in terms of the right candidates. Once you get a certain pool, you're not going to keep adding to it. I mean, amount of time it takes to interview and like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to go through hundreds when you've got a good 10 already. Yeah, you're like, I got, t- I got my 10. I'm like, there's going to be at least three that are amazing. Like why? Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Tanya. So another thing that I'm so curious about is we hear so often now, especially those who are going through a career change where they might not have a network in this new field or this new industry, you know, we hear so much about it's not like I'm doing air quote, the old days where you like walk in and you give a resume to a receptionist. Like that's not really a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on, you know, sort of traditional, just applying for the job versus networking versus 
you know, bunch of connections on LinkedIn. Like where have you seen the industry around this move to in, in your experience? Yeah. I mean, you're going to laugh at this, but I will compare it to advertising where (laughs) you got to take like a a multi-channel approach. You got to be doing it all. You got to be okay. You got to have the connections. You got to be engaged. Like you got to also, I call it a push and pull strategy. Like you got to push out your resume and do the applications, but then you have to draw people in. You have to, you know, attract the recruiters by like having your LinkedIn profile set up nicely and having the right keywords that they're searching for so that you show up and posting relevant information or even tagging them on, on things to like get in their face and DM them. You know what I mean? Like you really got to, you're in sales is what I also say is like, right. You're, yeah, selling, yeah, yeah. you're selling yourself at that point. So you got to sell, you got to advertise. That's it. Yeah. So true. <laughs> I have a friend, you know who you are. Cause you might, you're probably listening to this episode who Oh my God. She's the most brilliant person. I actually met her when she was my boss 10 years ago or whatever it was, 15 years ago. And she's in a very senior role, which in some ways is harder because there's less of those roles. Hmm. And she just did the like, I don't want to do the networking positioning bullshit of like how great I am and why everyone should love me. And I'm just like, yeah, but too bad. Like, (laughs) like, Oh, well, like if you want you, it's like when people say, well, like in our world, right? Like, I really want to be a health coach, but like, I'm not going to do any of that sales and marketing shit. It's like, well, then don't have a business. Right. Then don't, then that's okay that you don't want to do those things. Just also don't have a business then. Cause that is baked in to it. Like you, you don't have to be cheesy and salesy and mislead people. You can be in your full integrity, but you have to say, hello, would you like to give me money so that I can do this thing for you? Like at some point. Right. And it's, it's, I'm imagining the exact same with looking for the job or looking for the new mentor or trying to make connections in the new field. You kind of have to just do it. Even if it gives you the sweaty awkwards. I don't know, but I'm happy for you to tell me I'm wrong, that I've got the wrong end of it. <laughs> no, no, you're not wrong at all. I would say, cause you're making me realize there's different, um, different visuals people probably have in their mind when you say networking, right? There's probably like the, you know, quote unquote, old school way, which is like an event of like a, you hand out your business card. To the yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't, I mean, that does still happen, but then there's like virtual versions of that. You know what I mean? So I, I would say take the networking road that is less like squeamish to you, right? Like mm. um, sometimes it's in the form of just like letting the people within your, your network of friends and family know that you're looking for a job and Hey, do you know of any companies that are, are hiring for something like this? Or it's, can you introduce me to somebody who is either a recruiter or is in this line of work? Cause I've never done it. And I want to pick their brain and just like having conversations with people or getting introductions that might be a little more comfortable than like going to a full on event, whether it be in person or virtual <laughs> and trying mm-hmm. to sell yourself to different companies that are there. Like, I think there's different ways to do it. And you just got to find the one that's at least a little bit more comfortable because none of it's going to be comfortable. Sure. Yeah. None of it's the same as eating Doritos, watching Netflix, which is my (laughs) comfort zone. I love doing that. And I advocate for comfort, by the way, just not all the time, all the minutes of all the day. It's like, we got just, you know, a little bit of the being brave, sweaty awkwardness and choose your poison, right? Like to your point, if you are a raging introvert, you don't have to go to like the networking events every 
you know, every three times a week and cool, then fine. You don't mm-hmm. have to do that. Yeah. You, you got to do something though. So <laughs> yeah, pick, <laughs> pick your poison. You got to pick one of them though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I am mindful of time that I could just keep hanging out with you all day, but that, you know, you have a business to go back and run. Um, What have I not asked you? What, is there any other gems of wisdom? Is there anything around those people who are, oh, just like really up in their head about like, should I make a move? Shouldn't I make a move? Like anything else we didn't touch on that you want to get out there? Um, I think in turn, well, the one thing I did want to touch on, we were talking about like, you know, what should I change or should I change anything? Right. Yeah. It's just the concept. And, and again, this is why, like, I love working with women specifically, because I think it's something that we tend to let fall by the wayside because we're trying to be everything for everyone, right? Mm. We're moms, we're sisters, we're friends, we're daughters, we're everything. <laughs> um, mm. So I think it's important to whatever it is, like, you know, if you are, going into a different role you never had, or you're looking to just get out of the company that you work for and, and do the same thing, but somewhere else. I think the important message that I just want people to know is like, just do something and make sure that you are taking control of your career and like actually being purposeful about the moves that you're making, not just mm. like, you know, letting life happen to you, right? Like just sitting in the job because it's the comfortable thing to do, or cause you've been there for 10 years and you've got however many, you know, amount of dollars and stocks vested, like that's, that, that sort of stuff doesn't really matter at the end of the day, truly it's Mm. your happiness. So like recognizing when you're not happy, figuring out the things that you can do to change it, whether it be within, you know, the world that you live in at that moment, or is it looking somewhere else? Hmm. Okay. Oh, I just hit my mic. I'll probably edit that. that so like, excited. Out. Yeah. I was just like, flail. Um, okay. There's one thing that I want to see if you agree with me on. And there's no pressure. You get to be like, no, you are so wrong. And I'm going to tell you why. I regularly think, and I realize this is rich coming from me because I left the dream job to then be self-employed. So like, I get that I am sitting on top of the pile, right? But I think that at least our generation was sold this strange idea that you have to be passionate about your paid work. You know what I mean? It's like, find your passion, go and make money doing that passion, and you'll never work a day in your life. And I just think that is a load of horseshit. Like, I think, I think a, your paid work and your passions do not have to coexist at all. They can be in separate rooms of the house and that's fine. If anything, sometimes it's kind of nice if your passion can just be your thing and you don't have to put any pressure on it. Right. right. I think that's fine. And I think if you are one of those people whose passion happens to overlap with your paid work, it's still work. You know what I mean? So then we sometimes get weird about like, I had, wow, I'm mm-hmm. doing the dream job and things were hard. Cause I had to do X, Y, and Z projects this week. And you get all like swirly about it. Like maybe this isn't my passion. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Personally, I think your paid work can be a job, not one that makes you miserable, not one that sucks your soul, not one that makes like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I'm so happy for you to say, no, 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 no. Like we want to go full steam ahead on the passion angle. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I'm so curious because you see this day in and day out with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a great thing to ponder. There's a couple of things that come to mind as I think about this. One is 
and I actually talked about this with my husband on, on one of my podcast episodes, which is like, if you can't find a job that incorporates work that you love, which I feel like what you just said is like, you feel like those two words are like (laughs) opposites, but um, if you can't find that, then just do it on the side or do it somewhere else or incorporate it somewhere in your life. It doesn't have to be your day-to-day job, which I think is, is a very valid and important point to make. Um, The other thing I will say, and I'll agree with your point around like work is work. So like (laughs) no one really, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but my guess is no one really wants to work. We would rather just chill. I mean, is it me? I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather chill. I do always okay. wonder, I'm like, am I just a naturally lazy person? Because when I hear people be like, oh my gosh, I've had a lemonade stand since I was four. I'm like, oh, I didn't. I was just laying under a tree somewhere. Like I just have no desire to do any of that. Yeah. If I was independently wealthy, I'd probably just be a student forever. I don't think I'd make another dime. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think that's why people go on vacation. Cause like at our core, we just want to chill. We could get paid to just live, which I actually think is another topic, but to be I mean, fair, an Instagram influencer, that is the job. And there's a reason people go on reality shows to have that job because you've paid to like chill on a beach and then you get $6,000 from Bumble or whatever. <laughs> right. But even so it's work. Like they, they are on work. their phone. Yeah. They're on their phone all the time. Oh, true. I wouldn't want content. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah got content calendars and they've got virtual assist. Like, no, it's all, it's yeah. all work, all of it. So I think <laughs> the way to wrap this up, I think we should just get paid to be alive. Like we just, <laughs> you know, we're just able to live life. And if you want to go above and beyond, you know, you can choose to do that. (laughs) I think you and I agree for the most part. (laughs) Yeah. Doritos and Netflix. So good. Or like cheesecake or tacos, some kind of food. And so kind of like, yeah, the couch is the common. It's a shame that no one wants an Instagram influencer who's just pictures them on the couch. Like, I don't think there's money in that field, but Hey, stranger things happen. I don't know. Whatever. Give it time. Okay. Okay. My friend. So a couple last questions and then I am going to let you go. Um, can you give us an experiment? If someone is listening to this and like, Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty tempted. Maybe I do want to get a bigger job or change jobs or do, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have a practical experiment people could do at home to just start giving themselves some clarity around the right next step for them? Yeah. Yes. In fact, this is the exercise that I love putting my clients through the most. Um, The way that I like to simplify, like getting clarity is like, think of a couple of things. One, think of the things that you've done in your past and it can be work-wise, it can be for fun, it can be volunteering. Think of the things that you've done in the past that you really said, I loved that. Like I, I had so much fun or I got so much out of doing that project or whatever it is. And like come up with three to four of them, right? Eventually you start to notice some themes. Like when the example I gave, it was like, I always love to train people, but it wasn't this people and it wasn't these people and it was too many. Right. Um, So like you start to come up with themes and once you do that and you marry that with like things that you're good at or things that people say you're good at. So a lot of times it's hard for us to like think about what we're good at, or we can come up with a short list, but we might be missing things. (laughs) I always say like text, like three of your friends randomly or old coworkers, whoever you want, family, I don't care. Um, Text three of them and say like, Hey, 
when you think of me, what do you think I'm good at? Don't tell them why you're asking because you're just going to lead, you know, you're going to lead them to certain answers. If you say like, well, I'm trying to get clarity on my career. Yeah. Or like, I'm like, thinking of retraining as an astronaut. So do you think maybe physics is my thing? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to like, don't want no leading questions. Just exactly. an open one. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Cause if it's grandma, she's going to be like, oh yeah, of course, honey, you can, you do can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just ask them when you think of me, what are things that stand out that, that I'm good at? And like, you're going to usually again, find themes. People are going to be like, oh, you're the one that's always organized or you're the one that's like got the gift of gab. Like, and when you start to put those things together, you start to kind of like put some puzzle pieces, you know, combined mm-hmm. and you start to say like, all right, I'm doing what I probably should be doing because I like it and I'm good at it. Or maybe I should consider this other thing because instead of, you know, being a farmer, turns out <laughs> I'm actually really good at speaking and doing presentations and like, it's this whole other thing that maybe I should look into. So I like that exercise. It's fun. Oh, so good. So good. And I think, you know, what you said, I know we kind of blew past it cause it was in amongst a bunch of other stuff, but what you said is so important that if there's something you love, you know what I mean? Like if you're like, yeah, I enjoy being an accountant. It pays my bills, blah, blah, blah. It's great. But everyone keeps talking about how they love my gifts. Like I always make these beautiful gifts. You do not necessarily, though, if you want to let a rip, go for it. You don't necessarily have to quit your job to do this thing, but do the thing. If there's the thing you love, do it. It can be a side hustle. It can just be a hobby, whatever, but do that thing too. Um, And that gets to be its own. And if it becomes a full-time job, great. If it stays a side hustle, great. If you choose to keep it a side hustle because you like your day job, great. But don't just not do the thing. And I think that's so important that you said, like, find that time and space to do whatever that is. Yeah. And that goes back to, like, realizing that you're in the driver's seat and Mm. you have control over your career, your life, all of it. You can can do whatever it is that you want to do if it's not, you know what you're doing it all day, every day, at least you're doing it on the weekends or during the holidays, mm. whatever it makes sense. Right. Like so you're doing good. something that makes you happy and that's important. Okay. Before we do lightning round, where can people find you if they need way more of your gems of wisdom around this? <laughs> uh, I am Tanya empowers everywhere. So on Instagram, it's at Tanya empowers on LinkedIn. It's, you know, the whole LinkedIn URL, Tanya empowers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Tanya empowers everywhere, but I primarily hang out on Instagram more of like for the, if you want to kind of get to know me as a person a little bit more mm-hmm. and then LinkedIn for more of the, the career advice. Brilliant. And we will make sure I'll make sure those notes of oh, those notes. Honestly, I think I need a T I will make sure those links are in the notes. So people don't, you know, if they forget how to spell empowers, we'll have the link right there. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Lightning round before I let you go. Okay. My friend, you ready? Ready. Okay. Question number one, sunrise or sunset? Ooh. Oh man. I'm going to have to say sunset because just waking up in the morning is just, it's not, it's not my favorite. favorite. (laughs) There's an added layer of difficulty to the sunrise. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tell us about um, who is one of your heroes? Ooh, honestly, this is cheesy, but it's my husband. (laughs) Oh, not cheesy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> coffee or tea? Coffee, iced coffee all year round. Oh, in the winter? Wait, do you live somewhere where it gets cold in the winter? Boston, yep. Oh, you get real cold in the winter. <laughs> That's like Canadian winters. Okay, you and I were right there. Okay. 
Silver Bikes coffee though. I don't know. Um, if you could be any animal for a day, what would you be? A dog, hands down. Love them. <laughs> you have a dog? You must have a dog. I do, yes. <laughs> if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oof, I'm so torn with this one. And this is basic. The the like I'm just gonna be classified as a basic individual after this, but um it's gonna I'm gonna have to say pizza. Sorry. Oh, Fair choice. That's totally fine. I thought you were going to go with like plain ramen noodles. It's like, mm, I don't know, Tanya. I don't know about that one. Pizza. That's fair. Okay. All right. Meditation or yoga? Oh, yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Meditation for me is, it doesn't give me the same, <laughs> the same energy as yoga. Zen you out quite as much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you won the lottery, what is the first thing you spend a little bit of money on? Oh, vacation with my family. Time with my family is at the top of my list. Sounds good. <laughs> um, mountains or ocean? Ocean. I love the water. Okay. Next question then. Dream travel destination. Oh, God. Again, there's so many. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the moment I want to say one, I think of another. I'm like, oh, so beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> I'm just going to throw one out because there's so many on my list. Um, I'm going to say Greece. Oh, like a Greek island, probably, or mainland Greek island. Mm -hmm. Great choice. Uh, Winter or summer? Summer. My birthday's in July. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And less snow, which I'm guessing is also the appeal of the. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Last question. You have a billboard in every urban center in the world. What do you put on that billboard? Wait, I have to laugh because this summer my family was on a billboard locally. <laughs> <laughs> different story for a different time, probably, but <laughs> it's hard for me to think outside of that. Yeah, um, like the billboard we already did. <laughs> it would be my family, which is also boring because my answers have been about my husband and my family. Not boring um, at all. Not boring at all. That's fair. What would I put on it? I would put some sort of like empowering message to women because it's just on brand and it's what I'm really passionate about. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Tanya, my friend, I'm so grateful you gave me so much of your time today and let me grill you on all things career and career change. And uh, your clients are so lucky to work with you. So please, if anyone's even thinking about like, maybe they want something bigger or different, Tanya's your gal. That's right. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. Thank you, my friend.